bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Well, you know, I like to reminisce from time to time and go back to the back pages of my life. And I'm about to do that next with my guest, who's an author a media icon, and also a friend here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I stated in my opening, I would have a media icon, and and I love reminiscing, and I'm killing both today by doing that. Uh, the media icon, which I'm talking about, is Bob Sansevier. Ladies and gentlemen, he's uh, been a part of newspaper, and I just found out that he retired from newspaper, and we'll get into that. But uh, he's been on TV, he's been on the radio, and he now has his own podcast called The BS Show, which we'll get into that too. My guest, my friend, my pal, Bob Sansevier. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, JB. Appreciate you uh, inviting me to be with you and all icons. And I don't think so. <laughs> the icon didn't show up, so I can't. I took it to whoever that will be. Yeah. I, not a word that seems that it, that seems to fit. I'm just the guy that you know, done different sports for. I mean, I can go back to the beginning for you. It started in 19. 19- 74, the end of 1974 into 75, a freshman in college, I started working full-time at a newspaper. And uh, and from there, it basically, you know, over the next 40 years or so years, I was doing it. And I enjoyed doing it. Well, it was a lot of fun. I normally have uh, my guests kind of give a origin story like you you see in the superhero movies now, everybody's got to have an origin story. So, I guess you can continue on with that. But uh, even right. bef- even before you started that in college, kind of give a background where you grew up and how you sure. kind of wound up here in Minnesota. 
Well, I grew up at the Jersey Shore, which was a great place to grow up as a kid. I lived on what are we get things called lagoons. I don't think there's a I've heard it refer to a lagoon in Minnesota, but basically it was a lagoon that would lead out to the bay. And I I lived Barnegat Bay. You could take the bay across. You go all across the bay. You can get to a strip of land that walk the land. You're at the ocean. So it was a great place to grow up when you were as a kid. And I went to a high school called Central Regional High School, which um, if you ever heard uh, a band that called The Looking Glass, and they had, I don't remember who it was, but they did have a, a song that if I could remember it, uh, it would be one that many people might know. Then again, maybe they wouldn't. But uh, that's the only claim to fame my high school had. But anyway, I went to college at a place called Stockton State College, which was about 45 minutes from where my family was. And I lived at college for the first few months. And I had a great deal because, um, well, let me just back up a second. My first night, the terms the had filled up. It was relative to the second or third year. And it was motel along what white horse pipe which would take eastern new jersey but the old lapidated wound one of those room and my mom and dad came and i had like about eight of clothes food and in there the whole thing in the room was a net hang book and pants that looked like into a uh, you know a sixty inch inseam. They were just dorm. And I'm I have a little something to eat, and you know, or finally at one o'clock I locked the Somebody pounded the door to get my roommate, who was about six eight six nine. She and he comes in. He was a Vietnam. This is the mid seventies, and he immediately started with food. And tell me that you have to get out of the dump. And he, I need that because I didn't want to have it. Next morning, I found a place to move to. And when I left, he had his head under the hood of his trying to get started. And he saw he wants to okay, that was it. But I played that I worked for them. Uh, I worked in the office and they, in exchange, you know, for the room. And as the room, it was great in September, but they, the room didn't have any heat. <laughs> so I hung around there like a late October, and finally, guy, he wasn't getting enough action. I work in the room, in his office, yard work. I said, I'm not, I did enough of that growing up. Basically, <laughs> moved back home and, and went to school. And while amid all this, there was a, a, a weekly newspaper that came into my uh, communications class and said, hey, if you want to work for this weekly newspaper, here's the guy to call. So I started working for the weekly newspaper. Uh, one byline in months, it was about a 92-year-old barber who uh, the only care of people. Bob, I'm starting to lose you a little bit. Oh, all right. Um, you want me to call you back? It's better. No, that's better. I don't know okay. if you were moving or not. but No, I, I had the phone down, but I'll hold it. Okay. So should, yep. I, should I pick what? Yeah, just keep going. Okay. Anyway, I got one byline. It was this 92-year-old barber, and he would never cut my hair because it was too long. But 
shortly after the guy who ran the the editor of the paper calls me oh, maybe you should start thinking about some other line I didn't like the stuff I was doing on planning boards and uh, you know and uh, I have to go to like uh, city council meetings and I I really was doing so about that same time I was at my old I was helping out there announcing games up to the table newspaper and Delhi Observer was called and I said hey you guys hiring as a matter of fact the guy one of the guys had just quit and I took a job at 110 bucks a week and that began my career working for daily newspapers while I was still 18 and I went from there to the Atlantic City Press to the Asbury Park Press which at the time and still was the third largest paper in the state it might be the second largest now but then I want to stop for a second with the Asbury Park Press because uh, this would have been Five, six years after, at least six years after I had that job at the weekly paper, um, I'm walking through the corridor that goes by the elevators. They open and out walks the guy who told me that I should look for another line of work. <laughs> he yeah. was looking for work. Right. At the time, I was a columnist with the paper. <laughs> so it worked out. Uh, it worked out pretty good. Then I went to the Associated Press. And from there, I got a call uh, from the sports editor of the you know, Minneapolis Star Tribune about covering the Vikings, except for the first 10 minutes, I thought he said he was from Milwaukee. And I'm <laughs> thinking, there's no way I'm going to live in, you know, in Green Bay right. for a newspaper in Milwaukee. <laughs> but then when it became clear it was Minneapolis, I, uh, you know, I, I was interviewed and they offered me the job. And obviously, I mean, J.B., you know this as well as I do, little things happen in your life yep. that have great impact. And at the time, my whole idea was go there a few years and then move up somewhere else. But I stayed, and because of the you know the newspaper job I was offered, you know I met my wife Mary, who you know I met you, mm-hmm. you know I got uh, to work with KQ and the uh, I went from the the uh, Pioneer I went to the Pioneer Press from the Star Tribune to be a columnist there, and I just completed 31 years, and decided that you know I'd had enough, and I also I was part time for the last five or six years at the Pioneer Press, or maybe even a little more than that, writing a few times a month. But I just decided I don't want to, uh, you know, I just got, I got tired of it. And, you know, I decided I'm just done. And it's nice to do, you mentioned the BS show, the podcast I do. So pretty much I have the podcast and I do a little freelance writing. And I also, I'm on the school board in Buffalo, (laughs) Buffalo Hanover Montrose. I enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm still as busy as ever because, you know, I mean, you do your podcast. It's a lot of time. It's time-consuming. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking about guests and trying to wrangle guests. And it's... Uh, you've had a pretty good line. I, I've been, as I told my oldest brother, I've been lucky. I've gotten to know a few people in my lifetime. So, I've been Well, lucky. I mean, you're, you are as connected as anyone at the University of Minnesota. And you know everybody that's there and has been there. And obviously your friendships that you develop with the teams you worked with. I mean, I could tell when I see some posts, particularly, I think the last team that you worked with was the women's softball team. Those right. women adore you. You know, you could tell that there's an affection that they have for you and you have for them. Yes. It will last a lifetime. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where if you would have asked me, because you, you wind up building a relationship with one of your teams and let's face it, I worked go for football for 22 years, and I have connections with those guys. 
And I've interviewed a few of those, and I got probably be reaching out to a few more. But if you'd have asked me, I'd have told you for sure it would have been go for baseball. And I was dead wrong. It, it's been go for softball, and I still have a connection with them. I, when they need glove work done, they reach out to me and whatnot. So, and they at uh, the head coach. Uh, she was a player there. She was not a player when I was there, but um, she and I have still have a close relationship. She was an assistant for three different coaching staffs there. So, oh. yes, she uh, uh, she uh, started with uh, Bernstein and, and Julie Standering, uh, was hired by uh, Al- kept by Alistair, and then was kept by um, Jamie Traxel. And they finally decided that she was probably the best candidate of anybody around the country. So, well, that's great for her. now. How many, okay, how many teams did you work with? Football, <laughs> uh, men's and women, men's baseball, softball. You did? Did you do soccer and track as well? I did soccer, men's track. Uh, my last year, I had men's and women's track uh, wrestling. Both gymnastics teams, both golf teams. Um, it would probably be easier for me to say Who I didn't do have? I didn't do swimming, I didn't do diving, I didn't do hockey, and I didn't do. And I was going to say didn't do tennis, but that'd be a lie because I did men's tennis when I was a student. So, so you uh, didn't do basically didn't do anything that involved water or frozen water, right? <laughs> So basically, I didn't have a history with those teams, and nor yeah. a crew. Well, crews in water. So yeah, I didn't have crew either. Outside of that, I've had some connection with some sport either during my student time or my full time. So when, when you did wrestling, Jay was the, Jay Robinson was the coach, right? No, I was. It, wrestling was my last. Oh. Wrestling was my last sport ever. At the university. Oh, I thought it was softball. No, it was wrestling. My last event that I worked was men's wrestling. Okay. Yeah, I um, I got softball ready, and did a couple of weeks of that last season. And it, that here's here's the story of my life, Bob. I I left as they were, you know, I did three weeks of that season. And that season happened to be the year they went to the College World Series. Oh, my. <laughs> that is the absolute well, story of my life. Yeah, but you got them all set up for it, right? That's <laughs> right. the way to look at it. So. Um, yeah, but you were there for them. Right. You know, and they thought enough of me to get me a couple of T-shirts that, ha- that hang in the man cave of the Green Circle Studio. So, from the College World Series, so. Very neat. Right. But getting back to you, um, so you're on the morning, we're on the morning show. How did you get tied into the morning show? I'd never well, it was after, it was, there was that guy that they had from Channel 5. Oh, yeah, that um, idiot. After Mark Rosen left. Right. And, and, and Tom wanted to do something different. I heard him talking about wanting to do something different. And I had been on the show the previous um, spring. Right. When Randall McDaniel was drafted right. and I had called and said, Hey, look, you want me to come in and do some football for you? And he said, yeah. And that I passed and I started at the same time. And when I came in, I was, it wasn't every day. I was like three days a week to start. Mm-hmm. And then it morphed into five days a week. 
for decades. And then, you know, when I was uh, fired for the first time, and I, I, keep, I joke about it, partially joke about it. Right. I'm, I've got to be the only guy to be fired like four times by the same media organization. <laughs> right. Because I also was fired by the ticket, too. Uh, Mike right. Morris and I were both, you know, everyone was fired because they, they just did away with it. And that happened actually like three months after I was fired by KQ the first time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then the ticket disappeared. Um, but then, you know, they brought me back after 13 months or Tom, you know, said, why don't you come on back, which I did. And then I, you know, I wound up getting fired again uh, with COVID started. Um, right. I was let go and Dave Mordahl and Philip Wise. And apparently it was a cumulus, basically corporate wide. They got rid of anyone who was not full time and under contract. Uh, and then uh, actually it was like 15 months or whatever it is this time. Tom had asked me to come back and talk some football on Friday. So that's what I'm currently doing. I mean, I enjoy it. And I'm right. very thankful to uh, Mike Bryan sponsors the segment. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike. Oh, yeah. And he's fun. He's a sponsor he of this show. Your show, right? Yeah, he's a he's a great sponsor, and he you know he really um, he, he likes podcasts and and radio, and, and we we're all thankful for that. Yes, but um, <laughs> you know, but I, I know I'll be fired again probably at the end of the season, so then I'll be working on it again, yet right. again. <laughs> I got to get that fifth firing in though to equal Buddy Martin, and so I guess I have to be hired once more and fired. Then I have to get one more to break his record because I think he was fired five times. But I think Steinbrenner fired him four or five. I got to double check. I think it was right. five times. Well, but, it, yeah, I enjoyed. I, I, but basically, I had two full time jobs for thirty years. Right. You know, the newspaper and that, and I, I enjoyed. Uh, you know, I enjoyed both of them. I had a great time working for the newspaper because I got to. You know, you met a lot of people at the U that you have friendships with, and I, I made a lot of friends. I mean, what's interesting when you cover a team, you become more. Um, I'll use the word intimate, not, you know, intimate in a sexual way, but right. you become more friendly with the guys who work for the team, like the, the you know, the, the guys who work in the PR department than mm-hmm. you do with the people at your own paper because you never see them. Right. You know, and that's where you, you, I have friendships that go back. I just talked to somebody who had been a PR assistant back in 1984 when I started covering the Vikings during the Lex. The Les Steckel error, and that's E R R O R, not E R A. <laughs> that was the error. But Chuck Sanger, and he um, uh, he wound up becoming a PR guy with Canterbury, and now he's he does PR in Milwaukee. He's got a firm that he, he you know he he has uh, his own firm, and he called me about something tonight. So I mean, the friendships go deep when you know, like you know, you you meet people and you you stay friends, and I I stayed friends more with people that worked for the teams than I have with people I worked with because you're with them every day. Yeah. You, you, you brought up two uh, infamous people, Les Steckel, who, yes, who uh, had his way of trying to motivate the Vikings in his what a year, year and a half of being the Vikings coach. No, he was the coach for one year, three and 13. And I remember the game where he lost the team completely. <laughs> they were playing in Oakland. And when they lost that Oakland game, it was over. I mean, this team just quit on him. And he was the guy. Actually, I still say this to this day. Greg Wong was covering the Vikings for the Pioneer Press. I was the beat guy for the Star Tribune. And he wrote 
what I still think is the best lead I've seen on a story. Uh, he, he said, this is late in the season. Because Les, Les Stuckel was a former Marine, mm-hmm. always talking about being a Marine, how he took like 156 men into battle. And Greg's lead was, Les Steckel always talks about taking 156 men into battle. He never says how many came back. <laughs> Which summed up Steckel, right. you know, because he didn't care. His goal was to have the first all-Christian uh, Super Bowl team, which clearly wasn't going to happen. No. And, I, 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 J.B., I got to know some of the players and even their wives because I lived in a place called Cedars of Edina, and a lot of players lived there too. Right. And one of the wives came up to me and she said, my husband doesn't know what to do if he should be carrying a playbook or a Bible. Right. <laughs> so she said he carries one in each arm. Just oh, to make man. the team. So it was ba- it was a bad year. Great year to cover, bad year for the franchise. Now you hear stories of dirty diapers and punching yes. blackboards and all kinds of Punching himself in the face, face. knocking himself out. You right. Know. <laughs> he, was, he was out there. And then there was the one year of Bud. Right. Um, I, I obviously did not cover Bud Grant uh, prior to uh, 85 because I wasn't here then. But but. I got along with him, but he was he was not an easy coach to get along with because right. this was at a time when the NFL had opened all the locker rooms. Mm-hmm. We had to have media access, and Bud would not give us access when we were supposed to get it. So Kurt Brown and I, who worked at the Pioneer Press um, at that point, because I think Greg only did it for the 84 season, we basically told the, uh, the pro football writers in the league, look, we're not getting access. So... We got access, but then we found out. I went to talk to an assistant coach, and I was told Bud said we can't talk to you. So I said to Bud, Bud, why can't we talk to the assistant coaches? And his kind of smiled and said, you can't hold all the cards. <laughs> yeah. But that was typical of Bud. You know? yeah, and plus, but then we got to Jerry Burns, and right. J.B., I don't know if you got to know Jerry, but he was the most fun to cover of any coach ever. He was a great guy, and he just was a, I mean, he was a character. Well, you you uh, asked the inf- didn't you ask the infamous question about um, uh, what was it um, game face or something like that that well, set him off? Was, <laughs> no, well, what set him off? It had to do the first thing that set him off was um, eighty seven season. They play on a Saturday and lose to the Redskins. Final regular season game. All the at the time it was the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. All the Cardinals had to do was win and they would have been in the playoffs. They lost, and that Monday, we get together with Jerry Burns, and I said, well, Jerry, how do you feel your team backed into the playoffs? He got pissed off about that, and then that just started it going. And that day, unfortunately, there's no, there is absolutely no audio of it because none of us were bright enough to record it. Right. But that was the day when Killer Instinct started with Yes, Killer Instinct. I said, yes, Killer Instinct, Killer Instinct. <laughs> I said to him, I said, well, you know, how, how do you, your team doesn't have killer instinct? And he goes, the whole killer instinct, whoever started that killer instinct? I said, I think it was Charles Manson. And he goes, Manson, yeah. And then he started going. He had no idea who Charles Manson was. But that's after that, uh, and then when Herschel Walker came, I knew if it was a slow news day, I could bring up killer instinct, Herschel Walker, or quarterback controversy, and I'd have a heck of a story. Because he would go off on any of them. But he never held anything against you. He was just a great 
guy and a, you know, I thought he was a terrific coach too. Never met him, but I heard people would echo your sentiments. The other person you brought up, but you didn't say his name, was Mark Curtis, the idiot at Channel Five who, yeah, <laughs> who, who never learned any of like the cities in in uh, the metropolitan area. He called Shakopee Shakepoo. <laughs> <laughs> Edina, eat what he called Edina, Edna, Edina, Edina, yeah, <laughs> just just a blabbering idiot, just uh. yeah, and but he didn't last long at all. No, and that's when uh, Jeff, you know, Passold, uh, Tom talked to Passold about replacing him, and then he decided it was football season to bring me, and I'm thankful that it lasted beyond the football season. Right, you know, that was fun. And I'll tell you what, the other thing about it is, basically, every day I went in, I just assumed it'll be my last day. Right. It's kind of like if you ever watched The Princess Bride, you know, the, uh, um, the, 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 the pirate, you know, he would be, the, the, he became the cabin boy, the one who became, mm-hmm. the, you know, the uh, pirate, Roberts. And, uh, you know, every day he just figured he would be his last day, and then he'd let him live another day. That's right. sort of how I felt. So I, getting, you know, having 31 years after Tom... I'm the longest tenured member of the morning show. So that's something to, right. you know, to I guess, hang a hat on, if anything. And I, you know, and it still goes on, even if it's only one day a week. And now, you know, because you had to do it, too. I honestly don't think that I could still drive in every morning because I would get up at four o'clock. Right. It was a killer, especially like, I, you know, I thought about this because we're supposed to get really bad. As you know, um, we're, we're talking about storms coming and icy yeah. conditions. I could not ride in ice, take my car in icy conditions anymore. Yeah. There were a few times when I had really close calls. We're supposed to be, uh, so my listeners know, we're supposed to have the storm of the century, and we're not talking about snow in December. We're talking about, no. I just saw a flash of lightning. We're talking about a thunderstorm in the middle of December yep. in Minnesota. It was 56 degrees today. All if We had 19 inches of snow last week. Except for the snow banks, it's all gone. <laughs> well, and it's going to be nothing but ice, they claim. And there's people, hopefully not where you are and I am, but south of us and into Wisconsin and Illinois, they could get tornadoes. They could get 60 to 80 mile an hour winds. Yeah, they're talking. I mean, it, it could be as devastating as what happened in Mayfield, Kentucky, and those other states. Hopefully not. Right. But when, when people are listening to this, to this they'll know. By then, they'll know what had happened right. and how bad it might have been. Yeah, and they, you and I got a late start because I had to run out and get oil for my uh, generator. I've had a generator sitting in a box, a big one, mm-hmm. for like two years in anticipation of a weather event. And I, if, if we're going to take it out, now's the time so we can keep our waterers going because we have horses. So anyway, I don't well, want to I was list- with that. Well, I was listening to the radio on my lunch break about 3 o'clock today, and they... Uh, stated that XL Energy had already published a, a statement saying people are going to lose power tonight. We apologize for that, and we'll get it back as soon as we can. I mean, it's like wow. it's like nothing we can do but repair it because it's going to happen. So hopefully. Well, it'll be a while before they get to it, too. That's the other thing because there's right. winds that are yeah. expected. Well. So. Hopefully, if they if the temperature stays above free, freezing, then we'll make it. If it drops below freezing, it's going to be a hell of a problem. Well, uh, it, it, yeah, we'll we'll see how it happens. It's supposed <laughs> to definitely drop. We'll see. 
Well, let's get off the gloom and doom. I mean, Bob, let's face it. You know, you worked in newspapers, radio, TV, um, podcasts. You've been a part of beauty pageants. <laughs> you even got yeah, me I'm involved in that once. Why well, I was part of <laughs> a judge judging for a beauty pageant. How did you? Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. It was in. It was a glimpse into a world that I never even thought about learning anything about. How did you get involved in beauty pageants? I got sucked into it because my wife wanted a. She and my wife. Well, I'll give you the background on. Uh, you know this, but for right. your listeners. My wife, Mary, and I met in Sweden, and she wasn't, she might have some Swedish in her, but um, she uh, she was a Vikings cheerleader, and in 1988, the Vikings went to Jotaborg, Gothenburg, to, uh, you know, to right. anglicize it, and to play the Bears in an exhibition game, and I was there with the uh, Star Tribune at the time, and we met there. You know, we met like at four or five in the morning, and she had... She had she went back to her room and because the place was I think closing, and her roommate convinced her to try calling me, and at the hotel they didn't speak great English so this is what was interesting about it. Uh, she got somebody answered and it turned out it was Bob Schnelker, who was the <laughs> offensive coordinator and he was pissed. Yes, he I was can. like who is it? You know he's like screaming at her. She just hung up, didn't want her to know. But anyway, you know we here's the thing that to me was interesting. Uh, we turns out we lived in the same apartment complex that Cedars of the Dine I mentioned mm-hmm. and never ran into each other. Wow. So, you know, cause it's right. got five different buildings, but, right. um, at the time we met, she had already moved, uh, in with one of the other cheerleaders, but for a period of a year or so, we were in the same complex and never did meet. So, you know, we, she, but she wanted to do, she was a Vikings cheerleader for I think nine years. And she also, she was the first, she has this distinction. She was the very first uh, Vikings cheerleader to go to the Pro Bowl because they started taking cheerleaders to the Pro Bowl, and she was the first class of Pro Bowl cheerleaders. And then, uh, but when we got married, within a year, there was the Mrs. Minnesota pageant. She wanted to do that, so she wound up winning that. And we just got back. Was it last week or the? I'm losing track of days. You know, it would have been the week before. My daughter was is Miss Rodeo Minnesota. So we were in Las Vegas for the Miss Rodeo America competition. And it's been a busy few weeks because I, you know, Sam did that. And, you know, I think you've met Sam, right? Oh, yeah. I know uh, Sam. Yeah. Do you used yeah. to do Tom's podcast? And Sam of course. Was that's board right. On. Yeah, she produced it. And she, right. um, you know, she's not a producer at AM 1130. But, you know, so we were there for that. And on either side of that, the weekend before Thanksgiving, I was in St. Louis, your old stomping mm-hmm. grounds, uh, for the uh, regional um, the regionals for college rugby, because my my son, who just turned 20 on uh, the other day, uh, he's on the St. John's rugby team. So they won the regional and went to the nationals in Houston. So I was there this past weekend. And it's been, it, it, there's been a lot of traveling right. in, uh, in the last few weeks. So I'm glad to be home. And it's great to hunker down and then deal with a storm. But, I mean, it was exciting and fun to watch both of them, you know, get a chance to compete. And uh, unfortunately, neither one of them won. <laughs> right. But it was fun to watch. Right. And they got a chance, and you got a chance to be a proud papa. Speaking about no, being. it was fun. It was right. good. Speaking of being a proud papa, um, you have foster 
kids also, you and Mary? Well, before Mary and I had or Sam, mm-hmm. we had a, a foster daughter who she was 13 when she came to live with us. She stayed with us till she was 19 or older. And she's, you know, she's now like 40. But yeah, it was, we had, we did foster care for about 16 years. And the reason we, um, at one point we just decided not, I mean, we had a great, uh, we had some rough ones in there, but the last one was terrific. And the first one was terrific. And there were other good ones too. But after the last one, she was only a few years older than our daughter. Mm-hmm. And we decided we didn't want to do foster care and have kids that were close in age to ours because it would turn into rivalries. Right. And that's why we stopped. And, you know, but every one of our kids, um, I think even the last one grew up with a foster kid in the house. And I mean, the first one and the last one, we, we stay in touch with several others, but those are the two that have kind of remained still part of the family. And the last one now is a mom of her on her own doing a great, I mean, she's a terrific parent. And the thing that's most gratifying about her, when she came to live with us, she was like a goth. Everything was black, the black right. makeup. And she told Mary that when she was a little kid, her goal was to be a cheerleader. Well, it turned out she not only became a cheerleader, she became captain of the Orono cheerleading team. So, I mean, it was, she was a real success story. And in a way, all of them were, but some of them had issues that, you know, were not as easy to overcome as others were. Some of them were able to, you know, embrace the life that they had an opportunity to have and others, you know, it didn't work out so well, right. but it was gratifying. And it goes back to something that I've always said, and it sounds corny, but I, um, as we were, when we're all young, we think we could change the world. At some point, I realized it's it's more important if you could have a, not change, but just have an impact in your own little corner of the world, would you? It's why I was on the Orono City Council for eight years, and why for the last six years, I've been on the school board in, uh, in Buffalo, Hanover, Montrose District, because it's important to me to, you know, to try to do something to help out in your community in some way. So, so it's been gratifying in that regard. And, you know, foster care certainly was gratifying, um, you know, but I don't, I don't know. I'm getting too old to do it again. <laughs> right. But, you know, it was, it was good when we did it. And um, I, I did enjoy it. And I, it, it was gratifying. And I, I was rambling there a little bit. I don't want to give the impression these kids, any of the kids were bad, but some of them, you just know that you reached and touched more than oh, others. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I mean, and you know my story. I've been a step parent to my yes. my own child, uh, half siblings, and I'm a part of uh, his youngest sister's life now. Who's she's a senior at college at Florida A and M University, and proud of her and happy to be in her life. So. Uh, to have a daughter has brought a new perspective in my life that I never had before, so I'm happy with that. But you were talking. Yeah, I got two of them. Yeah, it is another perspective. Yeah, you were talking about your son being a college athlete. One of the biggest head bumps that Bob and I used to have would be about college athletics, especially college football. And I would just say, keep your son out of the transfer portal. Bob, can you believe how college sports have gone crazy in the past two years? No, and you know what, JB? I think what we, we, we haven't seen it happen yet, but what you're just going to have are the super teams that they all these kids go for that licensing. Yes. I think the, uh, 
uh, Lincoln Riley going to Southern Cal, he is going to have a dynasty there. Because if you're a kid and think about it, why wouldn't you go to Southern Cal with this new NIL where you can just basically, um, you know, you can get endorsements, you can make movies, you could you could do a ton of things, and the opportunities in Southern California are going to be vast. Well, and I'm sure he's going to play that up. Well, supposedly the rule is the, the, the school can't be involved in getting you a uh, in, uh, NIL deal, but... You know, the, no, but the coach could say, "Hey, if you come here, you're going to have a lot of opportunities." Right. And I mean, we all know how that goes. Right. I heard last week, University of Texas, all offensive linemen will be paid was it a certain amount of money to come there to be an offensive some business owner will pay they, them. They're going to. It's going to. It's going to destroy these. Um, well, it could even destroy a team like the Gophers. Yeah, because I don't know if they're going to be able to match anything like that. I mean, a lot of the there's a number of Big Ten teams that won't be able to match it, or their administrations won't let them let someone like that. Hey, we'll pay if you come. We'll hire you to do a. We'll put a billboard up with you on it. Here's ten grand, or twenty grand, or whatever well, it is. And that's why these businesses can, if they're smart, they'll just contact the kid and do the thing yes. with the kid. But the sad thing is. And uh, <clears throat> I've been having discussions on Twitter with a former Gopher quarterback back in the Lou Holtz days, and and he's um, has his doctorate now. And his worry is the alarming number of kids entering the transfer portal and having no place to go. Oh, cause, yeah, because they can't get to another team, right? They don't have... What do you think they'd look into that before they enter the portal? The problem is, Bob, you got so many of these parents, good reason, bad reason, whatever, who are pushing them to get to somewhere where they can play to then hopefully um, make it to the pros. But you're only talking... If if you're talking about pros, you're you're only talking about what? Uh, Football... Men's and women's basketball, basically men's hockey, and that's it. That, yeah, that, that you're right. Baseball, they're not going to get anywhere. And actually, right. women's basketball, that kid from, uh, was it Paige Bukers? Right. From Connecticut, she'll make more through this NIL, this, this licensing thing, than she would playing for a WNBA team. Right. They don't pay anything. No. No, she's... Supposedly, Gatorade and somebody else is paying her a uh, million dollars, and she's and not going to make a, that. right. She's not going to make a million dollars in the WNBA. No. So it's 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 just in some ways it's it's kind of laughable. But com- the thing that you notice is, um, the endorsement deals have gone going basically going to quarterbacks, um. Big, bigger name like receivers or running backs, and then for the most part, these companies are reaching out to female athletes. Yeah, well, I, at the U, I'm guessing, and it, that Gable Stevenson probably is making the most yes. through the endorsement deals than anyone else. I mean, there's no football player that's approaching him, is there? No, I think the biggest football player is the the seven year quarterback Tanner Morgan. 
Yeah. What did he, you say? You say the seven-year quarterback? Yeah, the seven-year quarterback. It's like, at a certain point, cut the ties, man. Develop another play. <laughs> Do something. You know, well, he's got to be... He, he probably would be too old to enter the NFL when he's done with college football. <laughs> probably. They won't want him because he'll be in his mid-30s. Probably. Um, but it's, it's just the, the, the tenor of the discussion also was um, not only will these kids not have a place to go and, and uh, you know, why are they so into it and my thing was well it's learned behavior because they watch the coaches come and go yeah and uh, and also a lot of people don't know this but watch the athletic directors come and go because they're all ladder climbers you know they're all trying to get yeah, to their next right. big job and so what are the kids supposed to get out of it you know they you know they watch the adults in the room come and go so they think that's the thing to do. And it's, they've made it easier for them to do it. Right. And I also see, I, I happen to think that if you go, let's say you go to Minnesota to, to play for Fleck, well, they claim, well, you're going to, no, you're not. You're going to play for that coach. It's not the school. Right. That coach leaves. You should be released, but you should not be allowed to go to the school he's going to. Right. In an odd way. I just don't think they should be held to staying there. And well, when the coach they went to play for left. And that was the odd thing with uh, with Richard being let go and them finding him a job so they didn't have to pay his buyout. <laughs> that, I was like, that is shrewd. Well, we got yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, they did take care of them, didn't they? Right. Didn't they? <laughs> they? They made sure they didn't have to pay his buyout by finding him a job. Yeah. It's like, wow. Smart but, deal. Right. But Mashburn with, went with them. And now how stupid does Mashburn feel? In a way, he could be here and be playing for um, Ben Johnson, and and be on a team that's actually surprising people. Okay, let me ask you that. I had no idea that they would. Now we don't know how the rest of the season is going to go, but right. Ben Johnson certainly has got this team off to a great start. I didn't think that it was. I thought they should have hired one of the veterans and then let them bring Johnson in to groom him to replace him. But he's done a terrific job. He's got these kids buying in, and that win in Michigan was huge. And we'll see how it, the rest of the season goes. But what are they already? Nine and one, right? Right, nine and one. Outside of you know Purdue, uh, Michigan State, and uh, Illinois, I don't see why they couldn't go five hundred in the conference. <laughs> and if well, they go, if they do, they're going to make the, the postseason, to, right? In his first year with a bunch of also rands and who are they's, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But they're all you know fourth year, fifth year seniors. They uh, except for the game yesterday, they don't throw the ball away. They don't play you know. They play defense. They hustle. They dive. They do the they do the little things that Richard never got them to do. And well, you know, it, it, yesterday the other night that was not a good team. Obviously, but right? What impressed me about the Gophers is. All those turnovers, twenty plus turnovers, and they still win, right? Because they, like, a lot of the Vikings would have folded like a cheap bingo chair, <laughs> because, you know, right? And they have against Detroit, but he's got them believing in themselves, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's done a terrific job so far. Hopefully, it it keeps up. And did you 
you obviously were working there when he was a player. Yes. Did you know him very well? Well, I also knew him as an assistant coach because he he was an oh, assistant yeah. coach under uh, Richard for a couple of years, and then he left and he followed yep. a few other people. And when the job came open and everybody asked me, who did I see getting hired? And I kept saying Ben Johnson. And everybody said, you're crazy. And I was like, eh, we'll see. And it was not because of anything I heard from over there because I wasn't hearing anything. But here's, here's the, the, the thing that's happening at a lot of colleges. They're hiring alumnus except yep. for football. And in some places, except for basketball, they're hiring alumnus because you can get them cheaper. <laughs> and they'll be more likely to stay. Right. They're more likely to stay, and you can get them cheaper because they want the job so bad. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Um, hey, I mean, but he also wisely, didn't he hire some veteran coaches? Yes, he brought back. And he, that's smart. Right, he brought back Dave Thorson, who was a longtime assistant over there under a couple of coaches, and and um, knows that he and Dave can recruit this area, which has been a problem with all the yep. talent that's left here. And um, also, they can recruit nationally. I mean, he's already got three local kids, so um, that's a step in the right direction. And the wins he's got, he's got two. Big time road wins, um, and Richard had none last year. So I yeah. mean, I just thought to me, I thought it made sense, but I also knew that's the way. And the other thing was, at the time, you would hear some rumblings around campus that they hired, had to hire an African American. So I was like, well, you kill three three birds with one stone by hiring Ben. So. I'm not saying that was the reason why, but I said it it literally took a lot of heat off the president and Mark Coyle by hiring Ben. Well, is, he, so. is he the only minority head coach in, of any men's program, but of women too? Uh, yes, and that's why there was heat. <laughs> well, but, I mean, he also he he has certainly had the credentials. Oh, yeah. So I, it, it turned out to be a good hire, and and – I'm just amazed that they went that long without a, you know, a, a minority head coach because there's certainly good ones in every sport. Right. No, they do not have one in any other sport over there. So, and they don't, I, I, you know, I can count within the support staffs of all the teams, I can count on <laughs> one hand. The amount of African Americans. I guess I hadn't even stopped and thought about that. That's something yeah. that needs to be rectified. Oh yeah, but um, they didn't have any trouble watching me walk out the door. That's my only comment on that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and they lost one of the best. <laughs> Let me just say that I totally didn't want to go, but I didn't. Yeah. You know. They'll deny that they were forcing me out, but whatever. Yeah, you moved on. Yeah. Um, so now you 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 know you built your media. You continue to build your media empire, and you got into pageants and politics. Why did you get into politics? 
I never really have been into politics because running for a uh, city council seat, it has nothing to do with um, what your political. I've never people think that I'm, you know, that I'm Republican. I've never joined any party. I'm an independent and running for a school board is the same thing. You don't you're not like a Democrat or Republican or anything. When mm-hmm. you run, you just run. So I really have not been uh, into politics. I, uh, I certainly have some strong opinions related to politics, but I'm not um, I'm not a politician. And and people would be surprised to know that there are some left leaning views that I have. And there are certainly some right leaning views. I tilt more to the right than the left, but I I do have some left leaning views yeah. that surprise people when I you know, when I talk about. Them. <laughs> and I always knew that about you. And um, matter of fact, our friend Philip. Who um, I think Philip is. He was supposed to move to Vegas. I don't. I think he has done that, but he's. Um, he always had good things to say about you, because he. Well, I was a big, I'm still a big fan. I talked to Philip. It's been months, a few months now. Right. And when I talked to him, he had he was talking about the move, but then he delayed it, and then he said he's still going to get it done. I hope he did because he wants to be near his daughter, and I hope that happens. I should. I should reach out to him and find out if he did make the move. Well, I always send him uh, uh, personally and privately my podcast every every week because uh, he was a big motivator in me doing this. He wouldn't let it go. He just we can do it at the casino, and it's like, and at the time I was working in, in athletics, like. I can't do it at a casino. <laughs> I can't well, is he, has he been a guest? Have you had him on as a guest? No, he refuses to do it. You know, he pretty much did the same thing to me, too, and I was surprised. Because right. there was a time, I think he got a little, you know, bitter when he stopped doing KQ. Right. He doesn't really want to be bothered with it, because he used to come on my show, not all the time, but whenever I had asked. But when I asked him last time when we talked, he said, nah, I don't want to do it. I'll, I'll do something to, my, to myself sometime. So no. I'm not going to push him. He told me he was retired. Yes. <laughs> but um which is, which is a good way to put it. No, between Philip, Tom, and yourself, I finally just threw my hands up and said, All right, I'll do it. I have no clue how to do this. I don't even know what to buy and and then with the help of um Cassie Schrader and um and Tevin. Andy? No, Tevin. Oh, Tevin, yeah. yeah. Tevin's a great guy. Yeah. Um, I was able to um, figure out what to buy. It wasn't, and it wasn't as, you know, I did it for less than 300 bucks. So That's pretty good. Yeah. 300 bucks. It's not that low. What do you, what do you call it? JB's low? Low-tech low podcast. Low-tech. <laughs> it's not that low-tech. <laughs> it is. If you were just using your cell phone, it'd be low tech. <laughs> well, my cell phone is part of it, but it's not the only part. I do yeah. have. I do have a mixing board. I do have a microphone, and I do. The 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 the, the key part was the interface. When Tevin said, "Yep, you need an interface," I was like, uh, "What the hell is that?" And I was like, "Oh, this is going to kill me." It was sixty-eight bucks. <laughs> So, I think you could handle that. Yeah. Well, I remember, I mean, you were doing some uh, commentaries right. that I was running on the, the BS show, and all of a sudden you stopped doing them, and then I see that JB's, you know, low-tech podcast. 
right. which I was glad to see because it was really what you should have been doing all along. And it's it's great that you have guests on and give them a chance to just spout like I am. Right. I mean, I've told you more than I've ever said anywhere on the air because no one's ever given me the forum to speak as much as that. And I don't I don't do it on my show because I interview people and right. talk to them. I don't talk about myself. So I've talked about myself more than I have, you know, ever no. in a, uh, a format like this. I've had um, family members and friends all tell me the one thing they like about my podcast is I ask questions and then I shut up. <laughs> Well, that's what, I mean, that's what, that's what really great interviewers do. They just let them talk. I, un, un, unfortunately, I interrupt a lot when I do an interview because <laughs> I want to get to the next, the next thing. Right. So, but it's, no, it's, it's good that you, you know, you have let me just uh, move on and, you know, and chat. And it's been, uh, it, it, it is fun. I don't know if we're wrapping up here or not, but it no, has, we're not what just... we've done so far has been fun. Right. No, I mean, um, I sit back and every once in a while something might happen in the world, you know, and I'll go, yeah. oh, I know somebody who does that. I'll have them on. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does break my heart when I reach out to somebody like Philly or uh, Sarah Gronwagen or um, a few others, and they won't do it. It's like I'm not going to. And in the case of Sarah Gronwagen, I think she, She's. I think that she thinks that I'll have her on and make on and make fun of her, and I won't do that. You know. No. I've had other people on who were nervous about doing it, and after they did it, they were like, "This is the best thing I've ever done." It's like, yeah, because all I do is ask ask questions and then back away. <laughs> you get to talk about yourself. Self. Who's right. going to complain about that? <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh man, this is the easiest thing I ever done. So the, now, so how, how many get? How many episodes are you into this? Thirty? No, I'm at. This will be number forty-six. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't realize it's been almost a year. Right? Holy this, cow! This is be, this will be number forty-six, and I've had uh, four best ofs. Wow. Well, have you? Okay. Now you've had Mike Bryan as a guest, right? Right. He's a great guest. I mean, right. he, you know, especially when you get him talking about New England sports. Cause right. He, he, uh, and we did. And, and we did. Yeah. Because we talked about one that we had in common, or two we had in common. What? What two? Was the uh, St. Louis. Well, and it was like things came around in both instances. As a little kid myself, the Boston Bruins beat the St. Louis Blues in 1970. And uh, you were a really little kid back kid, then, right? Well, I was um eight, and the payback was in 2019 when the Blues beat the Boston Bruins to win the first ever Stanley Cup for this for St. Louis. And it's a then, long we, time coming. And then we talked about 1968 when the Cardinals beat the Red Sox to win the World Series. Well, in 2000, yeah. whatever. The Red Sox beat the Cardinals to win the World Series. So in both cases, things evened out. So yeah, but yeah, so you're the, tied going forward, right? <laughs> so the you know, I've had Mike Bryan on. I've had uh, Tim talk about Hollywood. I've had Dave Schrader on. Um, oh, Darkness Dave. Yep. Yeah, Darkness Dave. I called him the uh, a real Ghostbuster. 
you know, I've had people on who Tom have had on. Uh, I've already, I've had National Comics on. Um, I've already have one comic booked for uh, next year already. Uh, Chad Daniels. Okay. And um, I have a high school buddy booked who's a Big Ten football referee. I have well, that'd him be booked, interesting. I have him booked for next uh uh in January. So yeah. Um and I've had a friend on who's um he's a cop in DC. So he's seen plenty. Yeah, he he's he's part of that police uh crew that protects the federal buildings and whatnot. He was oh. not on that day. And was waiting for the call to come in. That never wow. happened. Yeah, wow. we grew up as kids. So, well, have you ever had one of your siblings on? I've had two of them on. Oh, good. and and well, my that, uncle. Yeah, one of my. Oh, your uncle too. Neat. Yeah, my uncle, who's the last remaining person of his family. You know, my dad's family. Um, yep. He talked so long about civil rights and different things. This is when the the you know the topic was really hot. I had to make it a two parter. Real wow. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, I've had my two of my brothers on, and I had a third. I call those lost episodes, <laughs> <laughs> and I had a third, and realized. The whole time he and I were talking, my mic wasn't on. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm going to have to Well, have... it's on now, I hope. Oh, yeah. It's on now. Because I can hear you fine. Right. But, and he could hear me, so that's why I didn't think the, there was no issue. And then I went back to, to edit it, and it's like, uh, I didn't have my mic on. But I had his daughter on a couple of weeks ago. She's a... Uh, and it was about uh, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. Yeah. And she's an entrepreneur, young entrepreneur down in Texas. So you, uh, you've run the gamut here. Yeah. That you've had. yeah. And one of uh, my oldest brother, I had him on because he has his own basketball academy in St. Louis, mostly with young females. But um, yeah, I mean. Okay. So wait a minute. Your brother has a basketball academy, which would suggest he has a basketball background. How did you get into hockey? <laughs> well, and we talked about that on that episode, um, and also with my other brother, who was a, a uh, high school principal, and we talked about education and you know, whatnot. Yeah. I fell in love with hockey when the when I was six years old, and the NHL All Star Game was on, and it was in St. Louis, but they televised it, and my dad turned it on for some unknown reason because he wasn't a big hockey person. And I sat down and watched it with him and fell in love with it, learned the, ga- learned the game, taught it to, and I have three older brothers, taught it to my three older brothers, and, my yo- and I have one younger brother, and the other kids in the neighborhood, and we started a street hockey team that was funded by the church, Catholic church we went to. Oh, okay, well, let me ask you a question now. My fit, he's going to be 16 next week. Yeah. He wants to start playing hockey with his friends. Is it too late at 16 to learn hockey? No. In Minnesota particularly? No, it's never too late. Um, 
what he needs to do is find a figure skating coach. Oh, because why all, do you say that? All the, the, the uh, rudimentary stuff like crossovers and push-offs and all that, yep. you will learn in figure skating. Oh, I mean, I, I kind of skated, you know, intramural and whatnot. But then when I took the uh, skating class at the university, my skating changed. You became a better, better skater? skater. Yeah. And well, okay. So should I get them? If I, you know, if I should, I get them hockey skates or figure yeah, skating skates. Yeah, get them hockey skates. But because uh, uh, I actually did this a couple of times when I coached, we would bring in, we would call her a power skating instructor, but she was just yeah, a figure skating, a, figure skating figure instructor. Skater. Right, That's funny. Yeah, because all the the basics you need to be a well balanced and power hockey player comes from figure skating. I did not know that. Yeah. It's good to know. <laughs> so, but no, I'd never put on a pair of ice skates until I came here to the U and we had an intramural hockey team. And we would, we would screw around in the equipment room over at Beerman with sticks and, and ball, tennis balls and whatnot. And they were like, man, you can hold a hockey stick and hit targets and all this stuff. I was like, yeah. I said, but I have no clue if what will happen if I put on ice skates and Put them on one time. We were goofing around and didn't fall down. And I was like, well. So, I, see, I didn't realize that you didn't really skate till you came to Minnesota. I played roller hockey in St. Louis, but I never played oh. ice hockey. Yeah. Well, so, having roller hockey background, that had to make it a lot easier, right? Yeah. I mean, there was some transfer, you know, balance transfers and whatnot. Some things that you did as a roller hockey yeah. person. That, um, you know, and that was doing, that wasn't, you know, we didn't have roller blades back then. It was, that was the two by two, you know, four wheel skates. Oh, this was not the inline skates. This no. was actually, well, oh, wow. That had to be tough. Yeah. And, you know, we would play on tennis courts in St. Louis. Matter of fact, I, the same tennis court that Arthur Ashe played on. Cause he went to my high school for a couple of years. Is that right? Yep. So what was the high school? Charles Sumner High. Louis. It's the oldest all-black high school west of the Mississippi. Chuck Berry went there. Tina Turner went there. Arthur Ashe really? went there. Yeah. It was, it's in an area in St. Louis. It's called the Ville, which is short for the village, where yeah. uh, black professionals raised their families. Okay. In the, and in the there 50s were no white 60s. families in the whole district? There were a few. And we were very protective of those. Yeah, it was it was it was an odd thing. We had one kid; he was on the swim team, and there was a set of sisters from a different family. But we allowed nobody to mess with them. It's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> yes, it is. They were they were the tokens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we protected well, our tokens. <laughs> So what was most of this, this was the administrative and the, the teachers, were they primarily black? Yes, we had some white. But the interesting thing was most of the teachers went to the same high school. 
Oh, so they came through the school too. Right. It's like, like you were talking about earlier, going back to the school that you right. played at. It, it's, uh, you know, I mean, that is, it is home for you. That's what you learned, where you learned so much. So I, it makes sense that you'd want to go back to that school. Yeah. I, uh, two episodes ago, I interviewed my high school football coach who was in, instrumental in me getting here to work for Gopher football. And, um, he won, was it three or four state championships at wow. the highest level at coaching an inner city? You know, we had no home football field at the time. The school now has one and barely has a football team, but we had no home field. And um, our women's track team would win track state titles year after year after year, and all we had was a straightaway and a curve. <laughs> Wow. So we, we didn't have a full every, track. <laughs> you were always the visiting team. Or we were at somebody else's field. Yeah. Like we oh, would play, if we had a home game, we would play at somebody else's field against uh, another visiting team also. So, so what, where did you practice? Did you have a practice field? We had a practice field, practice? which is they now built an actual home football field on right in front okay. of the school. So we practiced right in front of the school. Yeah. We called it scratch old turf because it was weeds, grass, and rocks. (laughs) Well, okay. How old is the school itself? Is it one of these like two, two or three story brick buildings? Uh, Yes. It goes back to uh, 1875. No. Yeah. That's got to be one of the oldest schools still in use. Yes. it's, It's the oldest. All Black High School west of the Mississippi. It was named after an, an ab, uh, uh, a New England abolitionist, you know, abol- abolitionist. Yes, Charles Sumner. Wow. So, well, that's that's actually a that's a, a an interesting story you got there. <laughs> so, and you know. When I came to the University of Minnesota, I was the first student athletic trainer ever and then moved to equipment and became the first black student manager in the history of the University of Minnesota. They never had? They never had one before me. And I never get mentioned or any credit for it. So it, it bugs me a little bit. <laughs> well, I understand why. What, what's that? You were mentioned. It just hit me, by the way, completely separate thing. Remember I mentioned the Looking Glass? Mm-hmm. Brandy was their song. Do you remember that song? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Brandy, a famous a song. Girl, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah, that's a, that's a famous song. We played on KQ all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's my, those are my guys from the Looking Glass. <laughs> so, so anyway. as people could probably tell, Bob and I have a very strong and long history. He did KQ for, well, he said 30, he's going on 31. I did it for 22. Yeah. So. And yeah, we, we had a meet, was it the late 80s or 90s when we met? Right. It was something uh, like that. Right. And it was, um, and at the time, I was the first African American on a drive by, or drive time drive by, <laughs> drive time morning radio <laughs> show in, in this market. So. Yeah, you know what? You and Philip sort of were the only ones in morning, in morning radio. Right. I don't think anyone else has had a minority on morning radio or an African American. Outside of, I'm um, not aware of it. Outside of um, 
Um, yeah, that, the, the radio station over north, which you know. Well, yes. Okay, you're right. Which isn't KMOJ. KMOJ. Right. Outside of that. But outside of a station that is a African American station. Right. Yes, you were the only two. Yes. And people would try to pit us against each other constantly. It was funny. <laughs> there was no, yeah, no reason to. I know. He and I would just laugh about it. Yeah. So um, I got to give him. I got to reach out to Philly Dog. I'm glad you right. mentioned that. So, uh, how is the podcast going for you? It's going great. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I do it every day. I'm one of the few. Um, actually, I don't know if anyone else has. Tom had done it for a while, but I'm not sure if anyone's doing it now. But my uh, my show is on some radio stations. Uh, we're up in Duluth, WDSM, mm-hmm. WNMT, and Hibbing. WBHR, the Bear in St. Cloud, the Radio Works Network in Worthington. And then I do a show with Chuck Foreman and Jim Rich. We're on uh, stations in Mankato, Alexandria, um, Owatonna. Uh, we, I mean, we, we pretty much hit every pocket of the state with that one because it's about a dozen stations. So um, that's the one thing that, you know, I, I wanted to do was get the podcast on radio. And I've been fortunate in doing that. Um, you know, to get it on a few stations. And, and it's not easy because a lot of stations have a tough time finding an, you know, an hour every day to slot it in. Right. But I'm, you know, I'm happy and fortunate with the ones that I have for my show and also for the Jim Bob show, which is just weekly. But I mean, some of the stations run it during the football season. They'll run Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So it's getting a lot of, you know, a lot of play time, which is good. What is the Jim Bob show? It's a sports, basically. It's a lot of it's centered around the Vikings. Okay. And it's Jim Rich from Fox Nine, Chuck Foreman, and I are the we're the three uh, co-hosts. And we talk. I mean, during the football season and non-football season, we talk a lot of Vikings. During the football season, um, Jim does a segment every week with um, Greg Coleman, who was a Vikings punter, is now the sideline reporter for KFAN. Right. And we usually have a guy that. Uh, um, he's a nationally known. He's a, he's to me he's the best sports business guy out there. His name is Rick Harrow. He's the um, uh, managing editor for sports at the Library of Congress. He's written a number of books, and he's also he puts out a series that's on used to be on the Fox um, regional networks. Now it's on Valley called the Icons. He's connected. He's helped get stadiums built. He's connected to all of the uh, front offices. For hockey, baseball, basketball, and football, and he's just a great. He knows if if he doesn't know what's going on in the business of sports, no one does. So he's on just about every week as well. So we, you know, we have certain guys that are on, and then Jim, Chuck, and I, uh, we do usually the, the first couple of segments, and then the other ones go there. We had uh, Chico Resch on last week talking about hockey, and yep. Bly Levin was on talking about uh, Tony Oliva finally getting into the Hall of Fame. So it's that is that is all sports with a BS show. While we talk sports, it's um, it's more broad based. It's whatever's topical. And I have right. Mike Gelfand's on with me every Wednesday for a couple of segments. I was, so, you know, he's the connection to KQ. Right. I was just about to mention that you brought back yeah. Mike. You know, you brought back Stretch to, yeah. to the public. And he does his. He also does his football picks every week. 
on Fridays. And those actually go um, on purpleptsd.com. He is, uh, you know, he does his picks and they run the podcast, that version of that. And I put it on my show as well. So, I mean, it's, it's great talking to Mike because he's still hilarious. Right. Yeah. Got I, a lot of free stuff. I need to reach out to him to get him on here, but I, I, I want politics to kind of heat up again. Cause I know once I ask him for you, he'll heat them up even if they aren't. Heated up. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'll ask one question and just watch the hour disappear. <laughs> well, you could go make something, make dinner. <laughs> I know. And then come back and you'll still be going. <laughs> All right. Because uh, I don't want to take up much more of your time here with this storm starting to brew. I got one final question. Yes, sir. Horses. Where the heck did that come from? <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> So, it was uh, my wife grew up with them, and now we uh, we've got a few, quite a few. You looking for any? No. How many you want? <laughs> I got no place for a horse. Well, we got some miniatures too. <laughs> I, but, uh, I, I will. Okay, I will say this. Uh, I sort of got sucked into it, but I got I got into it, and what I realized is, um, a horse show is really a microcosm of life. Because okay. um, my kids have shown full-size horses, minis, and ponies. But at a national show particularly, I, my, every one of my kids has won a national title. And every one of my kids has gotten the gate, meaning they didn't even finish in the top ten or they had a low finish. Mm-hmm. So they could win a national title in one class and the very next one just get the gate or not do well at all. And that's life. There's right. highs and there's lows. And it really does prepare them that everything is not sunshine and lollipops and everyone does not get a participation medal, you know? So they've, they've learned that. And I think, um, well, in the case, uh, in the case of my son, Spencer, the one who's on the rugby team, Mm -hmm. he did high school rodeo trap. He he was a state champion as a sophomore, his junior year. He, uh, he broke, you know, he broke his arm, not doing trap, but he couldn't, he couldn't do it. And, his senior year, he had, um, what he, he went to the final or to nationals and he wound up world reserve champion. And he was, it was a phenomenal run. He hit, he hit 60 straight, including, um, 10 in a row when they had to move back a little bit, he was the only kid to hit 10 in a row. And that's what gave him the, the reserve championship. But I attribute that to having shown horses because, he was more uh, adept or more used to pressure than these other kids were. Because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, it was part of his life as a four-year-old when you go. I mean, he didn't realize it, but you know, he's going into these classes and competing. So it's it prepared them for other competitions, and I think it helped prepare him for you know for rugby too, because he's, you know, he's pretty much fearless and nothing bothers him. Because he was, he learned about that in the show ring. I think about just go out there and do your best and not worry about it. So, do you guys breed or you just show? No, no, we just we show. We scale back on that quite a bit as well, just because that you know the time it, we we go to shows, but we don't go to as many as we once did, and we don't really. My Mary has done a little bit of breeding, but more so not to breed and sell, but to breed and keep the babies because of the parentage that we you know that mm-hmm. we have. 
So she likes that, you know, to keep the, the, the again, I stay out of it. That whole thing. <laughs> it would drive me nuts if I got too involved in it. Cause I want to micromanage that. And that's, that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> so you got to come out sometime, JB. We'll get you on a horse or we'll have you drive one, you know, with a cart. It's a lot of fun. Bob, I had a real bad football injury in high school, which basically made me decide that being a football player was not for me. I had six ribs bruised really bad. I had a a contemporary of my brother's, my older brother, uh, because they were on varsity together. And then when I went to go try out my brother had graduated and when I tried to um, move up to varsity the following year this guy decided to take his because he rode the bench behind my brother decided to take his anger out on me and bruised three ribs on each side and to this day when I get on a horse I can still remember <laughs> remember that oh. injury yeah well okay we'll put you on a horse with the four year olds right <laughs> Very safe. <laughs> he put me on the horse name. Put me on the horse name Old Glue. <laughs> well, JB, I, I want to say this before you do wrap up. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. I've had a lot of fun, and the time has flown by. Yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of looked down. And it's like holy crap. We need. To, yeah, I don't want to take up more of your time, and I really appreciate uh, kind of getting to know you even more. But having to look back at uh, the time that we spent together and the people that we've touched. Oh, I forgot to tell you, uh, Cassie Schrader looked at me, you know, we were kind of bouncing back and forth. She looked at me and she's like, I don't know why I hadn't said this to you before. I'm going to ask Tom to add you to the network. And now I'm part of, oh. their, net- I'm part of that, their network. Great. So, well, that's great. So this will go That's to her. This will go to her, and she'll put it on the network at some point. So, yeah. Well, that's the well. I mean, if, if you want me to put it up on mine, I, I, that's always an offer too. Yeah, I just I'd, have to get. Uh, all I have to do is get your uh, uh, your artwork, and we could do that. It, it, it's very easy to do. Well, I just normally steal a picture online of my guests. <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> well, you are low tech, right? <laughs> well, yeah, That's my funny. my logo is just something I grabbed off of the internet that happened to have the J and B, but the an the the ampersand or whatever that's called ampersand. Look, yep, looks like an E, which is my middle initial. So <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> I know it was it's, faded. It's like, yeah, there it is, my logo. <laughs> Well, it's fate, JB. And right. now uh, i got to go outside and see if I have a farm left. Right. Well, Bob, <laughs> I thank do. you for doing this. Merry Christmas. No, JB, it was fun. Happy New Merry Year. Merry Christmas to you and, and to all of your listeners as well. Yeah. And uh, I uh, echo that sentiment. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All those. Uh, Happy New Year to all my listeners. I have, it, I have a weird listenership. Part of it's here in... Uh, Minnesota and part of it's in St. Louis. Well, that makes sense. And so then, and then that's I, where your, your roots are. And then I have people down in Texas. And, you know, I have people all over the place because there are people that I've had connections with because of Gopher football and Gopher sports that listen. So yep. I kind of have a quasi national 
listenership just because of my connections with different people. So well, you are connected. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's um, but um, every you know, I get to a point where it's like I've run out of people, and then something happens, like oh, oh yeah, I can. There's always people. I can call such and such, or I can talk to this person or that person. So mm-hmm. I'm amazed that I've gotten to um. The actual number with best ofs and whatnot is like fifty four, but I don't oh, count. Wow. The, I don't count the best ofs and the and the um, and actually I don't even count the um, lost episodes. That's what <laughs> my uh, relatives. So it's almost fifty five. So and that, oh, wow. for somebody who's doing it once a week, that's a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. So, well, I'm glad you haven't. So you've done so many, you haven't so much success with it. Yeah, I'm. You know, it's 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 still interesting. It's still fun. Um, you know, and one interview leads to another. That's the other thing I've figured out. You know, I've done. No, uh, it always it's always that way. Absolutely. Right. I've done like four local comics, which has led me to other comics. So. It's, it's well, if you ever want to, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, I got Brian Miller. Um, I have Brian Miller on my show on Wednesday. You should check him out. Yeah, maybe I'll look into him. All right, JB, thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. Okay, all right, take off. Yeah, take Bob, be, be, right. before you leave, tell them, listeners how they can listen to you and follow you and whatnot. Oh, the BS show. Just type in the BS show. And uh, my daughter, my... Um, my, my website went down recently, and I'm going to be changing my host uh, provider, but I, uh, uh, the bsshow.net normally, but just type in the BS Show. You can find it on basically whatever your favorite podcast platform is, or go to Twitter at B-O-B-S-A-N-S-E-V-E-R-E. That's my Twitter handle, and it's right there. All right. Well, thank so, you. Thank you, find. sir, Thanks. and happy holidays to you and thank yours. You. <laughs> All right. Take care, JD. Take care, All Bob. Right. Yeah, and as we wrap up here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast, I just want to say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and all those holiday things, and a Happy New Year to all here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African-American, black, black, black. Django, J. B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know J. B. Our great Negro sex machine.